AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When I write y'all, I'm across the USC, Compton, Watts, Bay to LA. Pomona, California, from valley to valley, we represent that killer county. So if you're keeping it real on your side of your town, you tune in to Gangsta Chronicles. Gangsta Chronicles, we gon' tell you how it goes. Nose will grow like Pinocchio. We gon' tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Gangsta Chronicles, this is not your average show. You're now tuned into the real MCA Big James and Big Stills. Strictly from the streets. Hello. We represent the James. Welcome to the Gangsta Chronicles Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Black Effect Podcast Network. Make sure you download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangsta Chronicles. For my Apple users, hit the purple mic on your front screen, subscribe to the Gangsta Chronicles, and leave a five-star rating and comment. Broadcasting live from the world-famous Coin Academy, it's another episode of the Gangsta Chronicles podcast, and I am Big Steel with my guy. 
Yeah. And of course, man, we have journalist extraordinaire, Mr. Soren Baker in his house. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me, y'all. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. You know, we touching down, man, on this top 50 gangster rap albums of all time, man. This has been a, um, a journey, and I won't say it's been too much controversy with it, man. You know, anything, you know, first of all, these are just our opinions. Y'all free to go out there and create any kind of holistics y'all want to. But I think that we are the experts up here. I, I, I do think we know a little bit of something we're talking about. We the experts? Well, hey, I don't say we... we we have a uh, uh, we have a high opinion. You get me? Uh, you you want to be you want to be uh, labeled the expert? Well, I think I got an idea. You know, motherfuckers right. have actually paid me for my opinion on certain <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? I think this I would know a little still, something. You know, eight. How many records you don't sell? You don't sell like 14, 15 million records? I've just sold a few. I think that would make you and someone on rope for everybody from the L.A. Times to the source and all this other shit. So I would say we definitely know a little bit more than the average bear. More than a little bit. You know, a little bit more, man. I want to hop right into it, man. Um, When we talk about the top five gangster rap albums of all time, we talk about, like, albums like, you know, um, The Chronic, um, Can't Forget That, um, Ice Cube, um, America's Most Wanted, um, Death Certificate, certificate, albums like that, man. I think with some of the craziest production around, the Boogeyman just went insane on that DJ Bobcat, DJ Pooh. Um, Who else was in the Boogeyman? Rashad. Um, It it, it was just real, just nasty. Thick, beefy bass line. Serge Jenks did a lot on that album. He did a lot. It was just um, a very well-produced album, I think, that was kind of ahead of his time because it kind of took that... You remember back then how everybody was meshing the samples together? Yeah. But they had started kind of playing their own instrumentation during that time over it, whereas the Bomb Squad would just kind of sample the stuff as it was. Well, that's one of the many things as rap production in the late 80s going into the early 90s. There was a lot of musicianship that people, I think, don't understand or appreciate because a lot of people... Dre in particular, you know, as you know, on the early Ruthless records, they had a lot of drums that were live, a lot of bass, guitar, standing guitar man, and uh, guitar man Sims and all those type of dudes, man. They, They were playing live music, and that, I think, makes a big difference when you're... I guess, you know, the sample era was, you know, what it was, but... A lot of dudes didn't want to touch that shit because they didn't want to give up that bread. Yeah. Uh, so very expensive. That's what, that's what uh, made uh, me and you know slip and who you know whatever. Uh, that's why we wanted to start creating. I guess basically what we would hear or just try to come up with our own uh, melodies or whatever. And then we would bring uh, you know Willie Z in to play. Right. You know, because... Uh, Drive by Miss Daisy. Um, <laughs> I mean, sampling was good, you know, especially if you know how to chop a lot of shit up, which a lot of good producers knew how to do back then. But um, a lot of records were sample heavy, man, back in that era. So, eight in this time, too, a lot of people were doing the interpolations. Mm-hmm. So explain how that worked financially. If you interpolated a record versus sampled it, what was the financial difference? Hmm. 
to me, in my opinion, I would just say um, in the way we did shit is we would try to hide the shit. Right. You get me? So uh, the financial gain from it would, would be you so better because you wasn't giving up publishing and then you wasn't giving up, you know, whatever or the whole song. Sometimes you would have to give up the whole fucking song if you sampled somebody's shit and it was recognizable. So, uh, you know, learning how to interpret the shit, uh, you could do different tricks with it. You know, okay. leave a note out here or there, uh, add a note here, or add this or add that. So, you know, a lot of shit I replayed, uh, you know, was probably shit I heard, but then... By the time I got to the keyboard and Willie Z, and we would just recreate the shit, you know. Wanted to have probably the same melody and shit, but... Like the same feel, but a different... Right, but I'm going to change up something so a motherfucker just can't be like, oh, that's my song. You get me? You know, I, I think a thing that was really pivotal to that at the time, because before, if you remember, with sampling, wasn't nobody clearing shit for a <laughs> long time all. in hip-hop, but then Biz Marky got hit with that. When Biz Markie got hit with the album, what was it? Um, what album? It was, was uh, it? I Need a Haircut. Yeah, I Need a Haircut. And he got hit, man. And it was some man like. I think a, it was Gilbert O'Sullivan, I believe. Yeah, and it was oh, something shit. like a million dollars at that time. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they did a cease and desist. They had to pull the record. So mm-hmm. I remember when I bought it, I was one of the only people in Maryland that had it because the album got yanked pretty quick. So that basically put a big problem in the Bismarck's career, and a lot of other people got De La Soul, uh, uh, Tribe Called Quest. I heard, I read multiple times over the years that uh, Can I Kick It, they don't get any money off that because they didn't clear any of the samples. And Lou Reed, I guess it's the walk on the wild side, I believe, but he basically owns Can I Kick It, so they don't get any money off that song. You know, the one upside to it, though, is they get that touring revenue off of that. That's for sure. You know, because, oh, you, know, you know, Tribe has been all around the world, you know. Many times. Performing that song, you know, so. They even use it at the NFL, man. Shout out to Justin Tucker when the Ravens, when they go to commercial break, they play Can I Kick It a lot of times mm-hmm. on a commercial. I've seen it at least three or four times over the last two or three mm-hmm. years. But that's the downside to it as artists get older that, tipping them not getting none of that money you know the, the Lou yeah. Reed family is getting that money and in some cases you only taking a little tiny smidgen of a sample and it's like shit it don't I, matter I want the whole record yeah and uh Steely Dan was the same thing for me myself and I I don't I don't remember reading the financial breakdown of that but that's really what hurt a lot of uh De La Soul's early momentum because of that uh but yeah man and when you What's that? Peter Guns, um, Peter Guns, um. Yeah, they sampled Steely Dan, it, yeah, and they did the same thing. Record. That that is one of the reasons why um, we tried to stay away from yeah. outright sampling shit because um, you could probably get the label to pay for it, which is going to come out of your budget. In I was going to say run. it's your budget, your money, um, but knowing that you would get no publishing. You probably have to pay some upfront money. I mean, because we um, we were a part of that. I mean, we paid, we sampled. I sampled some Barry White. You know, I sampled, we sampled some Isaac Hayes. I was going to say, you had a lot of big, sam- a lot of oh, big yeah. artists. They paid like a motherfucker. But, you know, um, 
I think what was good about our shit at the time was it was away from what everybody else was typically using at the time. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of got like that. Oh, okay. You want to use our shit? Okay, no problem. Oh, you know because a lot of people wasn't using you know, uh, Barry White and other shits we was coming from. You know, that was records I used to listen to growing up. Yeah, and so. Barry is pretty fair with clearing um, his samples. Yeah, so... Barry didn't um, go crazy. I used, I think, a Barry White on fucking uh, um, the the Music to Drive-By album or Straight Checking them, one of them. And then we used the Walk On By by Isaac Hayes on Nigga Struggling and right. shit, you know. Um, so... I mean, that's what you did. I mean, back then, you know, you you found a funky motherfucking record and you go ahead and try to chop it up. But, you know, the consequences of it. So it all depends on uh, how much you you desperately feel like that song is is worth giving up. You know what I'm saying? All your publishing and giving up a couple of dollars up front and maybe all on the back end. Who knows? But well, I also know, too, some artists had it that. If a producer was going to sample, the producer was responsible for. Yeah, they started the pain, doing. They the started doing that. Oh, um, well, if you produce the record, yeah, it's going to come out of your end and your publishing and whatever. So that wouldn't affect like me as a writer or or the artist because I'm not the one who produced the beat. So why should I get my cut taken out of or money drawn from me? You got to pay for that, right. especially if you're using an outside producer outside of the camp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah well, you know what? Um, I remember when I was working for Minder Music, we were actually involved in suing Dr. Dre for the Let's Get High record because he had used the um, bass line from the Fatback band. The dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. And what was crazy about it is John Fogarty, that was the guy that owned Minder Music, shout out to Big John out of the UK, but um, he contacted Dre numerous times. He wanted to clear the record. Oh, wow. Like, we wanted to clear the record. He just wouldn't respond. When, when Dre, when we went to court with Dre, you know what Dre did? Dre came in, went to sleep, and walked out on left like he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't even give a fuck. Walked like, out nigga, on left. What y'all want, nigga? What y'all want, man? And I think that sample wound up costing him $1.2 million. Man, man, get that nigga that shit, man. Wow. Get up out of here. $1.2 million, and they own, like, the publishing for the song. Get but it. they wanted to share it with him. They, they were willing to do that, but he just wouldn't get back to him. Yeah, because at that time, you know, I'm like, nigga, please, nigga, I'm making y'all hot as fuck again. Right, you feel me? Mm-hmm. That was probably my nigga Dre's motherfucking mind state. Like, nigga, ain't nobody in '93 bumping fat back band. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Was you bumping it? No, I was. I, was, I, was, <laughs> I sure nigga. was. I did when I did when the 2001 still album came out. Crazy as fuck. <laughs> you know when when the 2001 that album came still out. Still said no. no I want to go back to um. No sir. I want to go back to um. I know you talk about death certificate somewhere, right? Yes. I want to go for that. That's my number one. In your mind, what makes that the number one gangster rap album of all time? I think because it really examines uh, so many angles of what was going on in society at the time, and Cube had so many brilliant stories that, you know, from the beginning of the album to the end of the album, it really examined... uh, 
you know, Alive on Arrival was going after the healthcare system. You had Us, which was looking in the mirror at the self-created problems. You had Colorblind dealing with with the problems of gang banging. You had Steady Mob, which was just a day in the hood. You had My Summer Vacation, which I think is one of the best songs ever made about the migration of gangs and drugs. You had, I mean, it was just back to back. I want to kill Sam talking about the government. It was a uh, horny little, horny little devil. devil. Yeah, all kinds Man. of shit. My summer vacation. Yeah. No, which, but. Which really examined the migration of the West Coast, you know, the West Coast gangsters into the. In, into the Midwest into in the particular. Into the Midwest. And, and it actually spawned me being originally from the Midwest, as I remember, Crips and Bloods coming to Ohio. And it wasn't on no hostile takeover stuff. Like, it was just, they had the best prices. They had prices cats couldn't believe. And so cats, they came up there with the work. So you had cats, you saw local gangs like Brick City Outlaws and the Dynamite Devils that had been around since the 60s started kind of making the transition to turn into blood gangs, mm-hmm. turning into crip gangs just because they met somebody that was cool from California. And a lot of those cats set, that set up shop in the Midwest is still there to this day. They wound up having families, wound up just never going back. Yeah. If they didn't go to the feds. Yeah. <laughs> that was the intention, shit. Get up out of Cali, go somewhere, set up. Once you plant the roots, you like, fuck it. Nigga, this is home. Yeah, because they had, you know, Cube does a great job on my summer vacation of really breaking down that reality and how the gang culture spread in a different way. And like you guys are saying, the different drugs and the different way that it was distributed. It was just my summer vacation is just an amazing, amazing breakdown. And then, of course, there's a very heavy Nation of Islam influence on there. And he's talking about, you know, knowledge itself and historical facts and different things going on that all of that added together, plus the production, plus Q being such a brilliant writer. It just really has everything. And I think Cube, Bobcat, and Rashad as the boogeyman, and then Sir Jinx, all super underrated producers, and all of it coming together all at once. And Cube having a few uh, guest appearances, mainly on Colorblind, it was highlight. It was, was cracking. It's incredible. It's phenomenal. I, I think, you know, from the transition of coming off as the solo artist, from yeah. the first, from the America's, uh, you Most know, um, this record was more uh, West Coast feel. Much I more. America's Most Wanted was, you know, it had it had a few West Coast references and feel. You know, we had Once Upon a Time in the Projects, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and you know, but I think with with the death certificate, it really hit home on uh, what you say, niggas, you know, West Coast rap and transition of what it was about. And like Absolutely. Said, uh, the songs just, it, it, you went through a motherfucking uh, roller coaster ride. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, a lot, of, a lot of that around that time, you know, uh, with being in the rap game and having to deal with the oppression of motherfuckers didn't want rap and, you know, they yeah. was hating on it. You kind of, even though niggas was on some gang shit, you kind of was able to listen to those songs on that record because you was like, yeah, they don't want a nigga to eat. And they tripping because we saying we from here and niggas is wearing colors and, you know, bitching whole shit. And, you know, just 
a reality of what niggas was going through on the daily, but uh, for some reason in that time, man, they really was against what we was pushing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what that record represented to me, you know, especially the cover with the yeah. Sam toe tag. And that was like crazy, that. too. That was, that yeah, was, was cracking. I was like one of those classic covers, like uh, like music to drive by and shit. Yes. You know what I'm exactly, yeah. Exactly, You know, one of them classic covers that you always remember. Like, damn, them niggas did that. Like, damn, he did that. Damn, that nigga put a toe tag on Uncle, Uncle Sam. Sam. Like, I'm going to tell you one thing that he did or two, that he did too. Even the sequence and the way the album was sequenced, because like if you notice. The life notice, side and the death side. Yeah, he had given up the nappy dugout that talked about a promiscuous girl. And then he had Look Who's Burning. STDs. Right, you know, mm -hmm. right after that. And I think that's something that was seldom talked about in hip hop is AIDS. Yeah. During that, you know, nobody talked about AIDS. Nobody talked about um, venereal sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah, which, what, you know, well, I think, I think the difference is, though, with Cube, because uh, if you remember Boogie Down Productions on the By All Means Necessary had a Jimmy song where they were talking about the J, the I, the M, the M, yeah. the Jimmy hat. So people were talking about it, but the difference that Cube did and Cube always did is took it much more on a, a street profane level, whereas KRS-One was doing it more of a edutainment, whereas Cube was like street edutainment on a whole, totally different level, much more graphic and explicit because, exactly. because people had been rapping about it, but when Cube did it, Cube did it in a way that I think resonated more with a lot of people because as great as the Jimmy song is by Boogie Down Productions... A lot of people don't remember that song, even though it's a safe sex song, and even though it's a very, on a great album, it's on a gold album. That's a gold album. Mm -hmm. It's on the My Philosophy album. It's on I'm Still Number One album. So it's on the self, uh, uh, Stop the Violence Stop album. Stop the Violence album. You're Illegal Business album. album. Yeah. Slipping. That's one of the best albums, too, ever that's made. My shit, man. Right but there. I think that's the, when you have Giving Up the Nappy Dugout, you have Horny Little Devil, these type of songs when they're, examining the sexual tension, racism, sexually transmitted diseases, but doing it from such a profound from a hood yeah. nigga way. Like yeah. niggas gone like you speaking on topics that usually motherfuckers would be like, man, what the fuck you talking about? Mm -hmm. But you putting it in a way to where niggas go, hell yeah. Exactly. I knew a nigga got burnt, and I knew a bitch who was giving What's up. What's the matter? You burning? Yeah, nigga. So <laughs> he put in a, a conscious shit in a way that the average motherfucker could relate to it. Exactly. And you had to simplify shit sometime for motherfuckers. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Did you know anybody during that time period that caught AIDS or anything? No. And you know, yeah. and that was the thing. And what was scary about that is that it was affecting the, it was impacting the African American community in disproportionate numbers. Right. Because nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about it. And I remember my cousin that caught um, when, when she, I had a cousin, rest in peace, Tiff, that caught AIDS, right? And she caught it from her husband. He was a hemophiliac, and he caught it from Kaiser. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, that really kind of fucked me up a little bit because at that point. You would hear little rumors about certain people in the neighborhood. Right. They had the package, but it would never get confirmed. Like, so it was almost one of them things that nobody want to talk about. Right. 
Like nobody ever talked about it because I, I ain't gonna lie, it had me scared to death. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It scared you away from some ass. Hell yeah, maybe definitely, definitely go. say <laughs> it definitely scared you away from some asses. It did it like nigga. I'm, I, I think, think twice. I think I'm gonna pass on that one right there. It's a little, it's a little funky today. I think I'm gonna pass on it. Yeah, for sure, you definitely became more. You, you definitely you had to be more mindful. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you had to be. You say you had to be more smellful. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shit. You gotta be able to sniff out that shit. Yeah, for sure. And I think um AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process. Starting before the walls even go up, 
Visit MortonBuildings.com to get started today. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It was a phenomenal album, man. But I want to go, Soren, name your list. Name, Name those five off again. So Cube is number one. And then my other five. Now, this is Soren's number one. This is Soren's yeah, that's my number one death certificate. And the other ones in the top five, I would say, is the Brothers for Life, NWA, The Chronic, Dr. Dre, Stroud, Compton, NWA, and Easy E, Easy Does It. My nigga Soren said the Brothers for Life. Hey, man. You know, Soren being politically correct. He's slick with that. Some people, you know. I'm saying, I'm. I'm saying for him, it's niggas for life. You feel me? <laughs> Thank you, A. Thank you. You all good, man. I want to talk about niggas for life for a minute, man, because that's Dre's best produced I album. Think Dre was making that transition. In my I opinion, I think everybody has something to prove. You got to remember, Q had just left the group, and yeah. everybody was kind of wondering what the are production these was. Doing? Production was way better than than yeah, straight out of Compton. By far, it's um, Dre's produce, best produced album to me. Straight out of Compton was on some real like, you know, like a lot of niggas, especially DJs, and him coming from a DJ. Yeah, he was a blender, man. A nigga knew how to blend records, scratch, and all that. So a lot of the the first straight out of Compton record was a lot of break beat. Well, it's a very Bomb Squad esque. Album. Exactly. Very really bomb tempo, squad. Really, you know, like, not too, like, as of today, if you listen to it, you would go, this ain't no West Coast record. Not at all. As far as production. Now, what they influence. talking about Very is West, West Coast. Coast all but day. The production, they mocking back back east, you yeah. know, with the with the heavy motherfucking breakbeat influenced uh, tracks. Um, all day. The, the 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 niggas for life album was more you know uh, baseline riffs and horns and, and back to playing and, the instruments and, and exactly so it gave a more of a, a West Coast feel to All the day. NWA record. Not to take nothing away from Dre, but Dre has started doing a lot of work with with the homies from above the law. Mm-hmm. Of course, you got to remember, above the law was very, very much in the live instrumentation at the time. Absolutely, they actually invented G Funk around that time because you got to remember, yeah. Warren and Warren and Snoop were in um, above the law's camp at that time. Yeah, they kind of honed their skills over there. You know what I mean? Before they got over to um, before Snoop started messing with Dre. Well, well, you know, I talk about this in my book, The History of Gangster Rap, but. If you really look at it, the Vocally Pimpin' EP that Above the Law put out in 91 and then Black Mafia Life, which came out in really in 92. I don't know how I got it in 92 in Maryland, but I did. I had it before the Chronics somehow, and I got it from a record store, so maybe it had shipped accidentally or something. Right. We had a lot of that but, back then. But by the time the Chronic came out, I had heard a lot of the samples that they used on Vocally Pimpin' and... Black Mafia Life were used on the Chronic in the exact same way. So Above the Law 
they they did it first and they created it and I'd say Dre stamped it and perfected it and Warren G really commercialized it. So yeah, for sure. You know, um, I would say the biggest thing, man, on the Niggas for Life album, man, outside of Dre's production, it's all of them dudes was coming off on there, man. I was going to say, M.C. Ren. Ren was on there killing shit. Ren was destroying shit on there in that album, man. And I think he had a, um, I ain't going to lie, man, I could picture all them dudes like, man, fuck this. I'm tired of motherfuckers talking about Q being a man all the time. I'm about to make my <laughs> statement on this album. I think Ren was always... Uh, he was always, he was always he there. To the penmanship. Um, like you said, outside of Cube, I always thought that he stood his own ground. Oh, yeah, for sure. Came well, let me, let me ask you this, A. Being from here, growing up here, and being in Compton, because on Easy Does It, it's really Easy and Ren are on that album a lot. Mm-hmm. And even on the Straight Out Compton, it's Dre and Ren are on it a lot. Yeah, they was back and forth, man. They, yeah, they the were Compton doing the harmonizing. The Compton and the Hot Compton yeah. the house was cracking, man. Super cracking. Yeah, they did so, a lot of, um, again, that New York. They did a lot of that back and forth, man. Yeah, the Run EMC style. cracking and shit. So my question, eight is when being here, because even in Maryland, I always thought it was more of a equal share. Like I always looked at Ren and Cube back then at this as like the same level dude. Mm-hmm. So was that the vibe out here that you guys were getting? Uh, for me, I always put Ren... And they like there was no first and second to me right. back then when they was getting off. Um Dre was who he was. I never looked at, you know, Dre as because he was the producer doing the beats and all that. Mm-hmm. Um we all knew Easy was right. a hood nigga, so we knew he wasn't writing his raps and shit. Right. But his delivery and his voice So cold. But when it came to, you know, Ren and Cube, I never looked at, like, oh, Cube is here and Ren is... I always was like, oh, both of them niggas is fire. Yeah. Because... Because they were. On Ren's solo <laughs> record, on Ren, you know, when he would do those solo songs... If it ain't rough, it ain't me. Man, that nigga was killing, killing it. So, killing um, it. that was the... They was just both prolific, to me at the time. I yeah, actually was, thought Ren had a little bit more style. Than a lot of time. a lot of people, you know, probably had Ren as the favorite also. Because he was mine. That's Ren, for sure. Ren was hard. He was just a hard nigga, man. You yeah. Know I mean? And that's how we we respected them nigga. He can't he was from the hood, you know what I'm saying? And and just to be putting out records and shit. Yeah, Ren was like the was like king to niggas, man. It wasn't it wasn't no separation to us. Like, oh, you know, Cube and then Ren. You, it was never, especially when they was together. Right. Ren could hold his own with, with any motherfucker. Hey, I'm gonna tell y'all now, Bobcat got an album on Ren. It never came out. I had the craziest beats I ever heard in there. They got a song with with, with Cube. Ren and um, Dre that never came out that Bobcat produced. Wow. Craziest motherfucking beat I ever heard. And all of them is on there coming off. 
Why well, say though? And it just never came out, dog. They has they got some shit in the cut. I'm sure. Cause uh, Bobcat worked with Ran on "Kiss My Black Ass" and on "Shock of the Hour," and he t- destroyed it. But they they always seem to work well together. So I'd love to hear that one day. Still, we gotta oh, we gotta talk to Bobcat. Bobcat. Man, I know you watch the show, Bob. Please, can't Bobcat. Can't get you to come up here, man, Bob. We gotta put them records out. He's supposed to be putting a lot of that stuff out this year. Well, maybe Here's some shit, Bobcat. Yeah, maybe we can. Send it to me on the secret. Yeah. I won't let him, <laughs> I won't let Steel play none of it. Just send it to me on the secret. Yes, it'll just play it for us so we can hear it at least. Hell yeah, you know, um, I know it's some Soren, you didn't have it in your top five lifts, but I'm gonna bring it up right now. It's doggy style. That's probably number six or seven. Mm. I don't know if Doggy Style, I think Doggy Style might be a number one, dog. And I'm going to tell you why. And it's conflicting to me. I almost wonder if we can have a tie in this. And I think that's what we're going to probably do. We're going to probably all make our own list and let the fans vote on it. Okay. You know, I think we probably should make our own top 50. And, you know, we dropped those sometime this week online on the internet. So if you go to the Gangster Chronicles podcast, hit the Gangster Chronicles podcast Instagram up. You'll be able to go in and see all three of our top 50, and we will have the fans actually vote on which one they dig the most. I think that's the only fair thing. We close on a lot of things. Yeah, but yeah. I, I just think, see, Doggy Style wasn't just the introduction to Snoop Dogg, which is the biggest brand in hip hop, probably the most famous motherfucker ever, the most famous motherfucking rapper ever, probably. But I just think well, what you came with that, and I'm going to tell you, Ray set that whole motherfucking album off. Rage is probably the, one of the most vicious, fuck just called female MCs, one of the most vicious MCs of all time. What you think, eh? I think Doggy Style um, uh, changed the little, uh, changed the lane of which, you know, we were coming as far as West Coast music. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us, you know, uh, were focused on East Coast hip hop. Um, not that we wanted to mimic East Coast, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A lot of our beats, like I said, break beats and yep. and and a lot of heavy, you know, whatever, um, chopping up samples and and up tempo and you know. Um, I think when it came to um, doggy style, uh, it just put us in a in a different element as far as West Coast concerned. The production, you know, what niggas was, you know, niggas rapping out, getting high, and and just, it was on a different element. It was a change to the guard, kind of like it was just it was a change to me, and that's why I say. That album itself, not just for Snoop Dogg's appearances on there, but just for everybody from the way the but Dog I, Pound came in. From but I think too the the main key to me that the Chronic and Doggy Style did that really changed it is on a commercial pop level. Definitely, they made the music slower, and it also made it feel more inviting. If you listen to Fuck the Police, that's an angry record. Gangsta Gangster is an angry record. Definitely. Whereas Gin and Juice, that sounds fun. It's an angry record. Like, niggas was mad. They were mad. Niggas was mad then because of what was going on. One time gaffled them up is not a happy record. No, we (laughs) had angry records because 
um, at the time, we wanted people to respect what we were doing in hip hop, but then we also wanted motherfuckers to know fuck what's going on yeah. over here. Yeah. I think Dog came in with the aspect of like, okay, you niggas know we banging. So now I'm going to take it to a different aspect. Yeah. I'm going to take it to where when we ain't shooting and killing each other, woonty woom, now I'm finna tell y'all what we do just on a good day. Yeah, we nigga. smoke weed, we, we not smoke weed, and we gin and juicing. Nigga, it, it wasn't all just like, put it like, it wasn't it was all, fun. It wasn't all murder was the case. You and, get me? And too, this something that in retrospect, I noticed this when it happened, but I didn't understand it at the time, which is with Doggy Style in 93 and being uh going to like high school and college events, I noticed this was the first time I had ever seen at a white party or a lot of white people at a party where they would play the whole album. I'd never seen that with an NWA or Compton's uh-huh. most with nobody, not a public enemy, not name the most popular rappers ever, never until really the chronic and doggy style. And I remember it started with the chronic and then that really exploded and became even more pronounced with I doggy style. Never feel, saw that. Hood feel good music. Yeah. It, yeah. Good. it, was, it wasn't intimidating music. Cause even like you said with the chronic, um, let me ride. But but even the start with nothing but a G thing. Yeah. Um, you would you would look at that title and before you hear the music, you would go nothing but a G thing. Your instant is like, oh, these niggas finna be on some right. hood gangster shit. Nigga, this ain't nothing but a G thing, a gangster thing. But then when you hear the music and then Yeah, and the video. Then, uh, Making popular a groove that has already been embedded in some motherfuckers. Right, right. You know, when motherfuckers heard that I want to do something freaky, that's like, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute. Right. I heard that shit before. My mama yeah, used to play that shit in the kitchen and shit. And or, or my auntie used to bump that shit. Yeah. So it gave you the automatic, man, I feel good like a motherfucker. And I'm going to tell you another cheat too, eight. Rolling down the street, smoking Indo, sipping on gin and juice, they walking get, down the street, watching ladies go by watching you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's real familiar. But then, like I said, but then they knew how to, nigga, we're going to turn this into a, a feel good. Yeah. And then when you watch the visuals, it make you feel, oh, man. Niggas is all out kicking it at the drive-in and passing drink around. It's like, like you said, it made a motherfucker put on the record and go, oh, I can, I, I can, I can listen to this. Yeah. It sounded like they was having a party, dog. It was it one sounded like party. they had a party. And then yeah. Doggy Dog World continued that, too. Let me, like you said, let me ride. Who gon' let me ride? Yeah. How can you even, it don't matter what the color is. Right. Even if you are, like you said, all Caucasian white party with a gang of college kids getting drunk and motherfuckers bumping, let me I'd ride. I've never you seen that before. You, how can that be deniable? You get what I'm saying? I'm it's, it's, it's undeniable for you to sit up and be like, and I don't want to hear and that. And I was at college at Xavier in Cincinnati. I don't want to hear that. Even with Xavier, nothing, and they was banging that out. That's what they was banging. They made the shit. They yeah. made the shit acceptable 
even on the street tip. So that's why I think it turned the era of alienating a lot of West Coast artists to where, you know, yeah, you niggas don't do nothing but gangbang, shoot at each other, and say fuck the police. Now, oh no, nigga, we party, yeah. we feel good, we smoke a little weed, we ride around in our nice cars and our low riders, and it's a good day today. You feel me? Yeah. Like you said, from the chronic, Snoop just they it was the same formula because yeah. look who you got behind the boards. You yep. got Dre behind the boards, and like you said, Snoop led all of the chronic, so it's just the same fucking formula. Let's just do a part two and call it doggy style, and now you're going to be the lead. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. 
When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. Everyone in our country has a voice. It's something that says not just where you come from, but who you are. Welcome to NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of podcasts and a celebration of the hosts in journalism who've always spoken truth to power. Our voices are as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, and stories should never be about us without us. Find NPR Black Stories, Black Truths on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, you never get invited to none of those sessions. Which ones? Um, for um, Doggy Style. Oh, no, 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 no. I was, I was, I was not uh, a death row uh, uh camp invite because <laughs> they were cool with you know um suge suge ran death row and even though they were mixed in bloods and crips and they right. all got along we were still crips to suge you feel mm-hmm. me so we were bompton's most wanted to suge that's what he used to call us and wow. you know what's funny um you think Quick being over there at that time with them? Because Quick was hanging around with them a lot. Of, that of course, time. that had a lot to yeah. do with it. I mean, you've heard stories about it. Um, so, I mean, but that was that would that would be natural, of course. You know, uh, Quick was hanging around with them. He was hanging out with them. I think Suge started managing them and all yeah. of that. That's how he was able to perform at the Source Awards on their showcase. You get me? Because Quick was signed the profile. Yeah. He was he was non-existent with Death Row. But and once a lot Sugar of shit in. came the profile in. had him on suspension or something at that time. They wouldn't let him put out these records. So he got Suge involved and Suge got to be in his manager. So, you know, no, I never got any uh, uh, def, uh, doggy style invites. Can you imagine and, how that would have sounded? You know. I'm, I'm, you know, shit went the way it should have, and I think it, it is what it is. Well, you was dropping your own fucking classic. Yeah, I was. I had already. Yeah, he been, was doing um, quite well for himself. I had already been, you know, um, I had been a part of a crew. You know, that was a crew. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Death Row was a crew. Uh, Ruthless was a crew. Uh, you know, well, you had your own. Crew. Lynch Mob was, was a crew. We was, we was, we we was just us, man. That's it. <laughs> we so was all just. All I remember uh, hearing about wondering was, yeah. man, I can't wait to hear Hawkenberg because you was putting. <laughs> yeah, we was just, we was just us, niggas man. Niggas on the run. We we didn't have no big entity click or nothing like that. It was a couple of niggas from the neighborhood, you know, and 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 that's how we did it, man. Four five of us, and that was it, man. And so we didn't. We never. Uh, we never had the trickle down of you know right. of of the tree. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. From from NWA and different to, groups coming to, up to, to Dre and then you know the tree. We didn't have that. We you would think you being from Compton, man. Dre ain't never reached out or nothing. No, Dre was cool. I've I've you know tr- I talked to Dre. We've hung out a couple of times, but we've never got to the stage. Uh, fuck it, eight. Hey, let's do some music. Because Dre's tempo, I'm a big tempo person. Dre's tempo of his music mm-hmm. is like a groove. Like even though it's up in the 90 BPMs, it sounds a little bit slower. It sounds like 85. You know what I mean? Definitely. And I think could that's you my shit. Eight riding some because that's Eight's lane right there. Yeah, that's you my lane. Eight riding one of them type of tracks. That would be perfect, actually. 
that would have been that would have been fucking bananas. Um, I know you mentioned um Easy Does It, right? Yes. In the mix of all this, now I definitely for what Easy E represents the gangster rap, I definitely say you almost have to put him in that top five. Mm-hmm. I don't know if sonically. It matches up with those other. I don't albums. know, man. Easy does it. That album is. I'm gonna tell you my favorite Ooh. song up there. This is the stick up. Nobody move. Nobody care. This is the stick. Nobody up. move. Get face down. Nobody move. Uh, nobody Track move. number two. I that was fucking crazy. Dude, Mine's that's an, another one with MC Ren. Mine's is still talking shit. Yeah, still yeah. talking shit. Yeah, the first shit track. Yeah. That that was a crazy way mm. and. Being in Maryland, I was like, Compton, I thought they were from L.A. They said Compton, Michigan. I was like, what are they doing? Like, who are these dudes? But that whole album, the thing I like about it, it's, first of all, it's incredible. But you got MC Ren is on it a lot. Easy's on it a lot. But then Easy's character, he's got the humor. He's got the voice. He's got, you know, they got uh, Michelle A., the girls talking, like, on uh radio and on uh uh that we want easy you know they got all the stuff coming back and forth easier said than done easier said than done has one of my favorite line my little sections of a rap ever when he said yo I don't do dope but I'm dope not a dope but I'm doper than anybody who tries to cope and uh you can tell Ren was writing that shit dude they told me Dre wrote that mm-hmm. Dre wrote it that's what I was told by you know, people wait, there. Man, I'm gonna tell you something. What's Dre, the one with uh, no slugs from the microphone? What's the one with uh? They act like he doing the interview. No more questions. Man, that motherfucker was crazy. Dude, he's breaking and down a robbery. And, and, Come on, man. And, 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 hey, you know. Fucking out. And hard, nigga. And the song structure is so different. Like on No More Questions, he's doing the interview. And then he goes off and describes what the lady's asking him. He goes and talks about, like, oh, I'm doing a robbery. Oh. All the lights were out. Stepped yeah, in the That nigga was, that, that was cracking. Especially the way the breakdown and the beat switch. Mm-hmm. And then. Drop out in there. Because the people yeah. leave. I got another trick Pick up, up my sleeve. sleeve. Step with Pep to the back of the, the house. house the All the lights is out. Mm-hmm. That shit was hard as a motherfucker. And they come in with the boom, boom, boom. That's what I'm saying. Like, that album, Boys in the Hood, is on there, too, of course. Mm-hmm. The remix. But that album, I think, it just showed it was super street, super gangster, super hard. But Easy had such character and the humor, which... I think anytime you're able to add some humor. Yeah. So I can always have an on hold skeezer. Come on, man. I was like, what? I was like, who is this? He was motherfucking playing with him. Yeah. And with the yellow man sample with the nobody moved, nobody hurt. It was just. It brought in so much stuff. Coming right after. Down eyes wide said, here's what I'm going to put put inside. Grab it like a rabbit. <laughs> That's what. Yeah, dude. You know what, dude? It was a lot of it's white folks much. playing that album, too, man. man that album was, it was. The shit, man. It and, was the shit. And until the controversy with Fuck, uh, Fuck the Police, that album was actually, it went gold before Stray Out Compton. It came out before Stray Out Compton, and it was platinum before Stray Out Compton. It was a very big album. I think just the controversy. Well, it set everything up. Absolutely. JJ Fed set it up, then Easy E set it up, and then WA took it out, out the park. That nigga was clever as a motherfucker. Dude. Like, I'm gonna be in the group, 
And then I'm and. my own solo. Fuck it. Let's get all this motherfucking Let's get all this motherfucking Let's get all this motherfucking bread right quick. And let's not also forget that obviously I understood this better later, of course, but to especially people like us in Maryland or people just around, Easy E was he had the uniform. He was what the gangster rapper was. He was the gangster oh, he dude. That shit to the T. He did. The hat on the white T with the, the gloves, nigga with the lokes, nigga the five oh ones, nigga. Yeah, the, and the Jerry Curl, the, the fro. Uh, Come on. He was the epitome of what what white people like. Oh, yeah. That, that's the gangster. That is right. the guy. That's the gangster. That's right. the guy. And Absolutely. You know cats back in the day and still this day, you would see a G cat. It'd be 90 degrees outside. They got a big ass jacket on. They got some gloves. <laughs> yep. They got a beanie on and some loafs. Still. And it'd be 90 degrees outside. And some for, you know, yeah. Motherfuckers got to recognize that um, we've had a lot of MCs and groups and crews and artists come out of the West Coast. And you, you know, Niggas are on all kind of shit right now. Um, you can represent your hood. Yeah. Uh, fucking, you can be. Uh, you you just think about it with with uh with with our expression of hip hop. Uh, no disrespect to the East Coast, but with our expression of hip hop, you know, being able to say you know, fuck the police or yeah. what went on in the neighborhoods with drug selling and niggas pulling drive-bys and getting jacked and, you know, from from uh, expression of, 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 of the dicky suits and the khaki suits and the bandanas and, and, and what we went through for look at hip-hop today. Right. Motherfucker, you can be anything from a trap nigga to a gay rapper to you can yeah. be anything you fucking want today because we took all of that. Oh, hell no. You oh, can be who nah. you want to be. Oh, hell no. Nah. You can't do that. Right. You remember? Nigga, back in the days, nigga, shit. You can't wear motherfucking tennis shoes in clubs and <laughs> jeans and fucking T-shirts and shit. With saggy jeans. Man, please. That was a funny thing about it. You remember how they used to have them dress codes for them clubs in Hollywood? Man, you better come in here. I used to call them with the motherfucking Sunday best. You got to come to the club with your Sunday best on. Or well. You Nigga, I'm not trying to go to a club like I'm finna go to but church. But was crazy back then, if you wanted to go see a concert or something, you had to wear your slacks, your shoes to go in. But the cats up on stage had on some khakis. Yeah, yeah. They had on a T-shirt, a jacket on. Nigga, I remember, nigga, back in the days, nigga, when they wouldn't even want the artists to wear hats in the club, nigga. Right. We used to get ready to go perform at little clubs, nigga, try to walk in, nigga. And they used to be like, oh, no, you got to go leave your hat in the car. Yeah. I used to be like, huh? Well, in Maryland. I used to go out of town, the little small towns, and the motherfuckers used to be like, yeah, you got to leave your hat in the car. Because people. Be like, what? Did they do that out here? But in Maryland. They did it, is, like, it when I went on the road. No, but I'm I saying because the they road. would put razors in them. Nigga, when I would go on the road, yep, you go to the little clubs, you know, promo tour, little small clubs. Nigga, you walk up, nigga, with your, your motherfucking 
<laughs> big jacket on, nigga, or your Pendleton, nigga, and we got a motherfucking L.A. hat on or or a C on the cap or whatever. The motherfucking security be like, oh, Back no, to the you, car. You, you got to go leave that in the car. It seems yeah. like, it's like security you act like this motherfucker a pistol or something. Or a bomb up there. I'm about to shoot a nigga with my cap and shit when I get inside. <laughs> Niggas go provoke a nigga like a motherfucker. But you had to, we had to go through that. You yeah. get me? We had to go through that because of the fear of motherfuckers not knowing what was going on at the time as far as hip-hop being new or or not hip-hop but us as far right. as West Coast artists because, you know, they had hip-hop. We had, like I said, Curtis Blow and the Fat Boys and, you know, we had East Coast and whatever, but... When niggas started pulling up in motherfucking lowriders and khaki suits, you know what I'm saying, with four ancient mama bandanas around their head, motherfuckers <laughs> be like, oh, you niggas rap? Yeah. Like, you niggas do music? Oh, no, no, turn away. So, like I said, uh, uh, they Easy was the epitome of the gangster to motherfuckers and shit. Because, you know, they, sure. used to, they used to get harassed going around the country and shit, too. Yeah. Let me ask both of y'all this. Is the Chronic 2001 as good as Doggy Style Lord of the Chronic? Wait, say that again? It's 2001 album? Yeah, the 2000, 2001 album. Is that as good as um, either Doggy no, Style or the Chronic? No, not to me. No. Not to me. Doggy Style, I think. And I like the Chronic. The Chronic is, but you, the Doggy Style is better than the Chronic. Hmm. And I think... Um, Chronic 2001 is, would you put that before the original Chronic or after? To me, it's after. I think it's after. I, mm -hmm. I think it's after, definitely. I don't think that's a top five album. I think it's definitely a great album, but I don't know if it's a top five album. Yeah, man. That's it's not to me. Man. These nuts. Yeah, definitely. You know, shout out to the homie Warren G. He don't get enough credit as far as his input in that because a lot of those records, I used to see, you remember it was a record store in North Long Beach called The Velvet Underground? Mm-hmm. Off, off Atlantic Boulevard? Because I used to go up there looking for records, and I would see Warren up there always getting a gang of records. He would have like 100 records on the counter. And searching for more, now I know what the fuck he was doing. And <laughs> getting his samples together. Yeah, because this was around that time. This was before all that stuff. So to be around during that time period was just special because I would see him up there and I always knew who Warren was, right? We didn't know each other personally, but he would be like, What's up, man? You know how Warren talked, what's up? <laughs> right. And he would have stacks of records on there. And I'll be wondering, like, what the fuck is this dude doing with all these records? Hmm. And he brought a lot of those records to Dre, and a lot of those records on the Chronic were records that he was working on. Of what? course, Dre put his hands on them and made them tighter because I know um, Mr. Grimm was on the original um, Little Ghetto Boy. Mm. That was originally a Mr. Grimm record. Okay. And of course, we all know what happened with that. You know, by the time Snoop and um, the, um, the Mr. Officer, <laughs> Mr. Officer. Yeah. You know, to break him off something? Mm-hmm. That was originally Big Mike's record. Yeah, Big Mike. Uh, whew. He was almost on. Ain't, ain't that crazy? Big Mike and 3-2 was almost on the Chronic Dog. They were almost on death row. Because I think they were going to do a a joint project. Yeah, they Big Mike had told me about that. Yeah, they was going to do something with Jay Prince. Yep. And that's crazy, man. That's crazy, man. But, um. 
think when you look back at all these records, man, that's why I say, you know, we go have our own top 50 and stuff, man, but you got to seriously consider that. That doggy style, man, for just so many reasons. Because it's like A said, it changed the landscape of music. A gangster rap anyway. So A, why do you think it's better than the chronic? Doggy style. I mean, shit, anytime you... I think just, just shit, just being able to... Just being able to uh, uh, just feed off of what was happening around, you know what I'm saying? If we was there with with the chronic putting the chronic together, now we see the formula. So now everything is gonna be a step up. I just think you know, uh, with Dre having to you know, with the success of the chronic, um, and seeing the success that Snoop was having for being on the chronic, now nigga, we can go in and really flip this. And I think that's what happened. You know, mm. anytime you get you know you get a chance. It's, you get those. You get those one once in the blue moons. You get me, right, right. And when you get to feed off the formula that's already working, I mean, because shit, we was all here around the round table, right? We all in here putting together the chronic. Rage is here. RBX is here. Daz is here. Corrupts is here. Yeah. You know, Warren is here. Whoever Nate we all Dome. here. So now when it's time to do doggy style, shit. And still, you think it's better? We got more. We got more money. Yeah. We got we got more money. We got more better success. Uncut, better success. We got better this, better. This, so it's just gonna make the shit. Oh, nigga, nigga, let me try this now. Well, so one thing I do like about the chronic better though is I love Dre rapping. Oh, Dre is. And that's old. why I think yeah. now that we're talking about all this stuff, that's what I think. Doggy style doesn't have as much of that. The chronic does. Is I think Dre is a great rapper and always has been. Well, you gotta remember, the Chronic uh, was Dre's album technically. Well, I mean, well, the Chronic, well, yeah, it is Dre's album. It's Dre's album, but like I said, um, I think that's Dre, why I like it. Dre better. just knew, you know, the form, you know, you know the formula. Shit, I'm I'm gonna go with what I think is working, and yeah. he knew what was working <laughs> since he since, knew <laughs> since Deep Cover happened. Yeah, you get me. And since, it was Snoop. since Deep Cover happened. He like, I know the formula. You get me? Like, I'm not one of them niggas who's selfish to, you know. Uh, uh, I got to be in the front Some motherfuckers the are, but some people, when they see the bigger picture, it, it, it's what make the product better. Like, I'm not one of those self-centered motherfuckers who feel like I can be the only star. Right. Like I want to be the I want to be the entity. I want to be the motherfucker the umbrella niggas is under. You get me? So... I don't give a fuck if this if I sell one million and he sell ten, it's still the success it's, of fucking. It's our success. Exactly. It's so our success. I think that's where his vision allowed. You know, shit. Yeah, I'm gonna let you rap on half of the motherfucking chronic, and then we are gonna turn around and flip around and let you do a whole project by yourself. He was trying to set Snoop up and all those other cats. It was a, yeah, definitely. Because you got to throwing you the alley oop, nigga. I've never been. The, the the forefront rapper, right, you get right. me? As far as production and, and the mixer and all of that, that's my that's where I stick my foot in. Well, Rapping, hardest, I'm doing just, you know. Dre's hardest line was, man, when he said, because um, if a bitch try to diss me when I'm full of liquor, I smack the bitch up and shoot the nigga that's <laughs> with it. That's the type of nigga that you listening to. 
Talk yeah. to you for a minute, then my dick sing you. Drake was hard as a motherfucker, dog. And that's why now that we say it and I think about it, because I always didn't understand why people like Doggy Style better, but now I understand why for me it's the chronic. It's because Dre rapping more on the chronic to me makes it better because Snoop is all over the chronic. Oh, no, Snoop so. is the, it's really a Snoop and Dre album per se. Yeah, they the best Batman and Robin yeah. team ever. So, but the Doggy Style. But we lose Dre sonically. on Doggy Style. That's my that's my concern. Sonically, but it's a Snoop Dogg album. You ain't supposed to have Dre on there rapping on every motherfucking song. But that's what I'm saying. Still, he Snoop is on. He is really the chronic too. It's like a Dre and Snoop album. It's like the uh, Raekwon only built for Cuban links. It's Raekwon, but Ghost is all over it. Whereas the chronic has Snoop all over. It's a similar type of thing to me at least. But I just think Dre brings his presence vocally brings a lot. And that's why I think Stray Out Compton, 100 Miles and Running, Brothers for Life, all those records are so good because Dre's rapping on, not, he's not all over them. We're going to see what the, we see what the people decide. What, 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 you know, man. People out there decide. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this, though, man. I was, um, I was in Ohio a lot at the time. I was going back to the crib a lot, and I was, you know, floating through Kentucky and all that. Right. Everybody around the country was playing doggy style, dog. Well, like Everywhere. I said, I never seen so many white people listening to rap. Everywhere, dog. It's never. like that album took. If you think about it, dog, you know how many gangster rappers came with a poor man version of doggy style and the chronic <laughs> after that. You had all these. You had, and then y'all had a big impact too. Eight. I never saw so many most wanted. Detroit's most wanted. Yeah. Miami's most wanted. All these other different places. Chicago's most wanted. It was like, that was like the season for the gangster rap. Every gangster came out. You had cats coming out of Flint. You know, um, speaking of which, and these ain't no top 10 albums, Detroit put out some pretty good gangster shit. Yeah. I think really, once the floodgates opened, almost every major city did. Mm. That had a rap scene. Don't forget Flint with Dayton family. Yeah, the Dayton family. Um, and DFC. Mm-hmm. And the DFC. And you, and you know what? And that's why I say, man, gangster rap, you got to remember that we we was going into the 90s with hip-hop. I, I truly believe gangster rap saved hip-hop. I think it needed something cutting edge to um, for mainstream. Because if mainstream America wouldn't have caught on to it, it would have been dead. If it would have just stayed a thing that was just in our local hoods that we just consumed, it would have probably never gotten no bigger than that. But when you had, like, to me, Doggy Style came out, it was almost like Snoop was almost like the jelly, the peanut butter, dog. And it was just like, it was just the perfect marriage between him and Dre, dog. And the music and the way that album just came off, you got to think about it. The first voice you hear on Doggy Style is Rage. Yeah. And it's a shame she never came out with like her album the way it got done, man. It's like I was really looking forward to hearing Rage, man. Yeah, sure. Me it's too. Unfortunate, you know, shit. That's what happens sometime in the music biz. You get caught up with labels and deals, and you can't do shit about it. I was, yeah. um, that's your homegirl, eight. We got to get her up here, man. Yeah, we try to get her up here and see what's cracking. Yeah, what you think had happened with her album? She ain't never tell you about it. Uh. Uh-uh. I bet you that's just something, because I was really anticipating her because... I just said it. I mean, labels. Yeah, it apart, was the label. You get caught up in label shit, so there's nothing else to it. She got, it just, you get caught up in 
when labels get to falling, you know, who's ever the last left around, you know. Because look at it. Think of it in reality. Death Row, as big as it was, put out very few albums. They did not release a lot of records. Yeah, it was a lot of compilations and stuff. They had soundtracks and stuff like that. They yeah. Put out, they even put out a lot of stuff, man. Um, as, as far as my number one, though, man, and I think I don't say it numerous times, man, I think it's... Um, and I love Ice Cube's albums, man, but you got to think about it. At this point, man, Doggy Style is um 20-some years, shit, 30 years old now? Came out in 93, so it's 30. When you listen to him now, man, I think you could put Doggy Style out today and it would still jam unchanged. Absolutely. And it would still jam unchanged, man. I, that, that was a great piece of work, man, great piece of history, um. I've been going back and revisiting all these albums and even just the album covers back then. I was talking to Eight about like when music to drive by who thought of that album cover. Because that yeah. we just had real everything was original back then. It was just it was just so dope back then. You know what I mean? Like when I saw their album cover, I was like, damn man. Who the fuck thought of that shit right there, man? Just the thing. Even remember King T's album cover where he's walking down the street with the 12 gauge on the side? <laughs> that was crazy. And you had the back part to where you, you you didn't know what it was. It's like he was just walking down the street, just looking like yep. a real low. He had on his khaki suit and his hat. Remember niggas used to dress like that, eight? Yeah. And he had the 12 gauge on the side, like the pistol yeah. grip on the side. That was hard, man. That was incredible. We had some really genius stuff, man. So remember, if you're watching this on video, like the channel, share the video and all that good shit. But if you listen to the actual podcast, you know, I want to um, congratulate my boy MC8 right here. You too, Soren. You've been around for a little bit too now. Um, man, you know, Charlemagne sent me that message, man, that we, you know, had a, over a million downloads already this year on the podcast, man. So I want to take this time to thank the fans because without y'all, we not shit. For sure. Definitely. You know yeah, man. It's a big accomplishment. You know, we go keep rocking and rolling, you know. Charlemagne told me, man, that put us in the top 2% of podcasting, man. That's big, man. So we going to keep kicking this shit to y'all as long as y'all will have us, man. Um, remember, subscribe, to, you know, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment, whatever, what you like, what you don't like. And we holler at you. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, that concludes another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast. Be sure to download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles podcast. For Apple users, find a purple mic on the front of your screen, subscribe to the show, leave a comment, and rating. Executive producers for the Gangster Chronicles podcast are Norman Steele, Aaron MCA Tyler. Our visual media director is Brian Wyatt, and our audio editor is Taylor Hayes. The Gangster Chronicles is a production of iHeart Media Network and the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.